Welcome back to New World Next Week. I'm James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. And I'm James Evan Pilato from MediaMonarchy.com. It's time to heed the Constitution. We have got that giant SCOTUS story, plus Futurama suicide booths are here and now. But first, right on cue, again, again, the amazing coordination between nations. James, uh, turns out it's it's not just Brandon and his Disney show tune singing uh, information czar. It's all over the world. 60 countries signed declaration to bolster resilience to, of course, combat disinformation and misinformation. Again, we take this from the fantastic ReclaimTheNet.org. Tyrants unite the United States and 60 partner countries, six zero partner countries, including the United Kingdom, of course, Canada, Australia, and members of the EU, have signed a sweeping declaration for the future of the Internet, which commits to bolstering resilience, to disinformation and misinformation, and somehow upholding free speech rights while also censoring harmful content. The White House framed the declaration as something that supports freedom and privacy by focusing on its commitments to protect human rights, the free flow of privacy, information, yada, yada, blah. The EU put out, shockingly, similar talking points and claimed that those who signed onto the declaration support a future internet that's open, free, global, interoperable, reliable, and secure. Something I believe it was before they were involved. However, the commitments in the declaration are vague and often conflicting. For example, the declaration makes multiple commitments to upholding freedom of expression, yet also commits to bolstering resilience to disinformation and misinformation. It also contains the seemingly contradictory commitment of ensuring the right to freedom of expression is protected when governments and platforms censor content that they deem to be harmful. That sounds double plus good. Furthermore, many of the governments that sign this declaration are currently pushing sweeping online censorship laws or openly supporting online censorship. Just a couple days ago, the Brandon administration called for private companies to censor online misinformation. But of course, like mask mandates and many other things, it's not actually legally binding. It all rests on total compliance from the populace. The declaration isn't legally binding, but is intended to be used as a reference for public policymakers as well as citizens, businesses, and civil society organizations. The signatories also intend to translate its principles into concrete policies and actions and work together to promote this vision globalistly. We will include the link to whitehouse.gov, United States and 60 global partners launched declaration of the future of the internet. And we'll also give you the EU posting about it as well. James? Yes, an interesting story that obviously dovetails with that new revelation that, oh, by the way, the DHS has been setting up this disinformation governance board for the past two months. So on that note, I will throw people back to an article from Jordan Schachtel, who uh, wrote a nice summary of what we, uh, I would say, what we know about the, the disinformation governance board, actually more like what we don't know, because we don't know anything except for the timeline, essentially, of when it started getting set up back in February, which, wouldn't you know it, just happens to be the exact time that the Department of Fatherland Security was issuing, issuing a summary of terrorism threat to the U.S. homeland that was specifically warm, warning about extremists seeking to exploit the emergence of COVID-19 variants by viewing the potential re-establishment of public health restrictions across the United States as a rationale to conduct attacks and warning about conspiracy theories concerning the origins of COVID-19 and the effectiveness of vaccines. Damn conspiracy theorists. So we know exactly what this is, what it is intended to do. It is a weapon 
that is being loaded right now and is pointed at the guns of every average person who uses the internet for anything other than what they tell you to think, what they tell you to say. You have free speech to say anything you want, as long as it's exactly what we want you to say. And so, yes, if you go, and I suggest you do go read this Declaration for the Future of the Internet, in which they start by whitewashing the real history of the Internet, calling the promise of the Internet uh, the uh, stemming from its design, an open network of networks, a single interconnected communication system for all of humanity. And by all of humanity, if you go into the actual history of it, they mean the Department of Defense, the U.S. Department of Defense. It was set up as a military system and also an intelligence system. And I've gone through that history many times. But yes, okay, all right. Well, let's just go with that. Yes, it is this open network of networks for all of humanity, but certain players, bad actors on the geopolitical chessboard are threatening that vision by, oh, limiting their uh, their population's ability to use these digital tools and lim- limiting their access to the internet and limiting the freedoms of what they can say online. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, th- it's them that's doing it, I tell you, it's them. <laughs> but when we do it, it's because you need to limit speech in order to protect free speech, as the literal new disinformation governance board Mary Poppins singer is telling us, right? Um, anyway, let's just put the hypocrisy out on the table. Again, I'm sure everyone knows this, but let's just put it in black and white. They talk about the threats, for example, posed by governments coming in and interfering with their citizens' use of the internet, etc., and and trying to get up too much, get too much information about their citizens from their online activities. Meanwhile, in reality, antiwar.com alleged ru- alleged Russian cyber threats fueled nearly two million. Warrantless, and I will parenthetically add, illegal, FBI searches of Americans' data in 2021. The actual total was 3.39 million warrantless data searches in 2021, but only 2 million of them were justified because of alleged Russian cyber influence operations or whatever. So they're just using the boogeyman of the week to do what they want to do, which is snarf up all your data. Another data point along this trail, the Economics editor of The Guardian just had a little op-ed. Policymakers need data about us, despite privacy fears. Noting that uh, the UN and the World Bank and the Global Partnership for Sustainable Development Data just released a report saying, you know, okay, yeah, there's all these problems with, you know, people's privacy and information being stolen online and stuff, but we need more data from our citizens because gaps in the data are glaring for gender in all areas of development, economic opportunities, environment, health, human security, public participation. So essentially it goes on to say that there are two things that you need to put in place to make sure this operates smoothly and nicely that governments can step in and snarf up all your data. One is money, of course, and two is governance. Once you have that in place, then it's all going to be great. And it ends by saying, the message is clear. If the world is serious about tackling climate change, it needs better data. If it wants to have better defenses against future pandemics, it needs better data. If it wants faster growth in poorer countries, it needs better data. If you are against governments coming in and taking all your data from behind the scenes, your digital footprint and everything you do online, it's because you hate the earth. You hate poor people in poor countries. You hate uh, humanity, right? Um, Meanwhile, again, in reality, 
India orders VPN providers to collect the data on users. Yes, um, which actually kind of buries the real story here because it's not just VPN providers in India. It's custodial wallets, exchanges, virtual asset providers, cloud providers, and VPN providers will have to keep records of their customers and records of financial transactions for five years, which the government can look at at any time it chooses. And in case there is any doubt about where this entire disinfo scam is going and what it means and how it will be used, let's again just look to the technocratic overlords in China who are pioneering and spearheading the way. We mentioned it last week. I'll mention it here again this week. Uh, Mini True silences the Voices of April viral video on Shanghai lockdowns, which goes to show that, yes, things trend on Weibo for a day or a few hours even, and then they get algorithmically censored and you cannot post it. You cannot post any combination of those keywords that they flag. You cannot post the video. You cannot post um, edits of the video. It just completely disappears off of Chinese social media. That is what they want. Um, Lieberman and others have called for Chinese-style internet kill switch. This is not new. So anyway, all of that being said, this is what they want. They want total control over everything that happens online and everything you do on it. And they're going to drape it on all these flags of it's about freedom and protecting the vision of the Internet. Nonsense. I believe I've heard that that's how fascism comes. It'll be wrapped in a flag and maybe a cross or maybe whatever thing you do or don't like. We'll talk about that a little later in this episode. James, definitely do not search Shanghai body bags still alive because they don't want you to find any of that footage. You said custodial. That reminds me of a lot of these stories, James, we've been going over a ton lately. Sanitation workers in India are essentially tracked and traced at all times with, you know, I mean, it used to just be we did this to like criminals and you got a bracelet on your ankle because you're bad. But now everybody wears them all the time. You talked about those searches, those warrantless searches. I covered that on the show. Congress critters here in the States are very concerned, especially if those searches might have included them. I also covered uh, just earlier this week the first spam email in history was sent this week in 1978. And, of course, that was at ARPANET. That was at DARPA. That was at the DOD back in the day. So not only did they start the military, but they were the first ones to, I don't know, it was a Nigerian prince, something about an NFT, I forget. You also mentioned, you mentioned if you you want to save the environment, more data. I got an email this morning from a guy that said he, quote, worked for the HSBC, the Cabal Bank. He told me to watch out for Stockholm Plus 50, a healthy planet for the prosperity of all, our responsibility, our opportunity. And that's coming up on June 2nd, June 3rd preparatory meeting. It's going to bring another global green treaty. So there was at least a little bit of a heads up. We might get deeper into that on a very future episode of New World next week. But like Joe LeBioffer sang about 40 years ago, killing the poor I guess that was long before the the orange annoya and the muzzling and just, you know, open capitulation to the New World Order. Why is Canada euthanizing the poor? Since last year, Canadian law, in all its majesty, has allowed both the rich as well as the poor to kill themselves if they're too poor to continue living with dignity. In fact, the ever-generous Canadian state will even pay for their deaths. What it won't do is pay to allow them to live instead of killing themselves. As with most slippery slopes, it all began with a strongly worded denial that it exists. In 2015, the Supreme Court of Canada 
reversed 22 years of its own jurisprudence by striking down the country's ban on assisted suicide as unconstitutional, blithely dismissing the fears that the ruling would initiate a descent down a slippery slope into homicide against the vulnerable. The next year, Parliament duly enacted legislation allowing euthanasia, but only for those who suffer from a terminal illness whose natural death was reasonably foreseeable. Despite the government's insistence that assisted suicide is about individual autonomy, it's also kept an eye on those awesome fiscal advantages. It only took five years for that proverbial slope to come into view with Bill C-7, a sweeping euthanasia law which repealed that reasonably foreseeable thing I said a couple seconds ago and the requirement that the condition should be terminal. Now, as long as somebody's suffering from an illness or a disability which cannot be relieved under conditions that you consider acceptable, they can take advantage of what is now known euphemistically as St. Carlin would just be just laughing, laughing at all of this. Medical assistance in dying. Maid for short. Oh, call, call the maid, ring the bell and call your maid. Soon enough, Canadians from across the country discovered that although they'd otherwise yeah, prefer to live, too poor to improve their conditions to a degree which was acceptable. Not coincidentally, Canada has some of the lowest social care spending of any industrialized country. I'm sure Trudeau would, would deny all that. Palliative care is only accessible to a minority of people, and waiting times in the public health care sector can be unbearable to the point where that same Supreme Court, which legalized euthanasia, declared the waiting times at the clinics to be a violation of the right to life. Back in 2005, James, you know, I'm always one of the main things I do, pattern recognition, trying to always recognize and track all these patterns. Man, there's a lot of suicide in the news just from the last couple of weeks. Three weeks after announcing farewell reunion tour, Naomi Judd of the Judds dies by suicide. 15-year-old student kills himself after bullying over rumor of being unvaccinated. And speaking of vaccination status, James Madison University softball star Lauren Burnett died. The update is, oh, it wasn't any of the weird MAGA jabs. It was suicide. German euthanasia group. This is a good one. Not the B. German euthanasia group requires vaccine for assisted suicide. You've got to have your MAGA jabs and Brandon boosters before you can come in and for them to kill you. And inside the Swiss assisted suicide clinic where two U.S. sisters paid 11,000 bucks each to die, Talked about that a bit on my morning show. Really interesting part of it, James. They were both, you can believe this, lifelong medical professionals. A 54-year-old palliative care doctor and a 49-year-old nurse. James, what does it say? And even though now it's like screaming it for two years over, what does it say when the supposed health agencies and environmental groups seemingly at the highest levels are run by death-obsessed Malthusians? I think you just answered the question there, actually, I guess so. James. Yeah, <laughs> it answers itself, doesn't it? Um, yeah, exactly right. So this article is, I, I, I'm glad this article was written. I'm glad people brought it to my attention. I got a couple of people emailing it to me. I saw someone bring it up in the comment section the other day. So thank you to all the people who get this, this sort of thing uh, in front of us and bring it to our attention. It is a good article for at least introducing the subject um, for people who don't know how far along advanced this agenda really is. However, it does, I think, fall short of essentially answering or even posing that question as you posed it there, James, which, yeah, what does it say that these are, it always goes back to these death-obsessed Malthusians who are just constantly, uh, essentially, 
trying to get people to die one way or another, whether by actively doing it to them or, hey, guys, why don't you kill yourselves? It'll be the easy way out. Um, it always does come back to that. So um, I will, again, commend this article not only for at least bringing these facts to the table, but also pointing to such things as that 2005 Supreme Court decision pointing out that, yeah, the wonderful Canadian socialized healthcare system, which we all love so much, why can't we do that in the States? Literally, the Supreme Court saying, yeah, waiting times, these ridiculous waiting times, literally are killing people. It really does deprive people of their right to life. I, I bet you a lot, not, a, not even a lot of Canadians know about that. So there's the link there to the Supreme Court decision. I suggest people go read through that. Um, but but yes, it does obviously come back to the very same things that you and I have been talking about for decades now. And so it will not be a surprise to our regular audience. But people who want to know about what this real agenda is really about, I will humbly suggest they go back to episode 396 of the Corporate Report podcast, Bioethics and the New Eugenics, which I think raises exactly this point, talking about all of the breakdown of the the old, the millennia-old Hippocratic Oath and all of these things, uh, you know, you, sw you swear to, to abide by these principles and do no harm and all of this. Well, actually, that's outdated. We don't need that anymore. Now it's, you know, maybe we should do harm when it, uh, it's better for society and all of this. Again, it is a new manifestation of the old um, lie of eugenics. Also, on the, I think the bigger, bigger picture of this, this goes back to something I've been talking about quite a bit lately. I mentioned it again on my recent appearance on the Pete Quinona show, which is the breakdown in vitalism. The idea that there is actually something unique and special and definable about organic life, as opposed to inorganic matter. Breaking down that distinction is a goal of the transhuman movement, which is another new form of this old idea of eugenics, which... I'll point back people back to my what is the transhuman agenda um, from Questions for Corbett 82, where I played that oh-so-funny BBC clip about the girl who announces to her parents that I'm trans. No, 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 not transsexual. I'm transhuman. I want to become a, I want to become a robot. I'm going to upload my consciousness, and then they can recycle my body. Recycle? Yeah, you know, they'll kill my body. Who cares? I, I just want to be in the machine. That's, it always, always, always does go back to the death obsession, doesn't it? I wonder if that relates to anything else that's popping in the news right now, James. Anything that's happening in America right now? I I wonder if it does. It is quite the rich, rich tapestry. And and, and again, tearing down things, some that maybe deserve to be turned, but it almost does seem like a sort of clear-cut, just everything essentially being carpet-bombed. Maybe the Constitution is trash. They were talking about on The View recently here in the States. James, I do have to ask... All I have in front of me is the archive.is link. Where is that article originally from, the euthanasia? The Spectator. The Spectator. Okay, that's uh, that's that's no fly-by-night sloppy operation. That's that's big, respectable outlets there. <sighs> so, yeah. New World Next Week, episode 483, James, is a rich tapestry. And again, look, oh my gosh, right on cue. Here comes the My Body, My Choice gang. Hey, where, where y'all been at the last couple years? Supreme Court in America has voted to overturn abortion rights draft opinion shows. This just broke a couple of days ago. I think this is going to be kind of massive. And this comes from Politico, the folks who got the leaked document and the originators of this story. The Supreme Court in America has voted to strike down the landmark Roe v. Wade decision. That's the big abortion Supreme Court case. This, according to an initial draft majority opinion written by Justice Samuel Alito, circulated inside the court. You got the PDF. It's got the stamps all over it. 
and it's been obtained by Politico. The draft opinion is a full-throated, unflinching repudiation of the 1973 decision, which guaranteed federal constitutional protections of abortion rights, and even a 1992 subsequent decision, Planned Parenthood versus Casey, that largely maintained the right. Roe was egregiously wrong from the start, Alito writes. We hold that Roe and Casey must be overruled, he writes in the document, labeled as opinion of the court. It's time to heed the Constitution and return the issue of abortion to the people's elected representatives. We do have the 98-page PDF up in the links. James, the gaslights have become the headlights. And there's a million different ways we could talk about this. I can joke about it and say, hey, maybe the fake left Pepsis could throw Pepsi cans at the riots, you know, since the flavors are based on aborted, you know, human fetal cells from Cinemix. I can't think of too many other things. And I did message my parents about that. And of course, I might message them about, hey, did you hear doctors say, oh, don't take aspirin all the time now to prevent a heart attack. They might not have heard about that story. They might not have heard about the wildfires burning down here in New Mexico, but they had absolutely heard about this. I can't think of too many other things that are as deep-seated in America as the fight over abortion. It is, as you've maybe heard me say before, it's right up there with like blowing up the dome of the rock. It's many Christians like tippy, tippy, tippy top issue. And of course, the so-called elites know that this is a riot in a can waiting to happen, and they know it. This is scientifically formulated to, I don't know, Civil War Part Two. Abortions for some, miniature American flags for others. James, why do you think we can just speculate? Why did this quote-unquote leak from the Supreme Court, something that has, I believe, never happened before in our hundreds of years of history, and what do all of our stories this week seemingly have in common, James? Good questions. Let's see if I remember both of them in my answer here. I guess uh, to answer the first one first, why did this leak? I mean, there is the obvious and the very obvious first order answer to that, which is the political answer that, of course, of course, this was leaked by some Democrat-leaning left, left person in the Supreme Court orbit who obviously did this for political reasons, um, to get in front of the decision so that they could hopefully flip some of the votes, and or, and perhaps more to the point, more cynically speaking, oh, midterm elections coming up now. Let me, stop me if you've heard this, guys. This is the most important selection of our lifetime. Wow, every single time they managed to pull that one out of the hat, right? It's never been more important to vote in your midterm selections, folks. Vote blue. So, yes, there's the political angle to this, which, as you might imagine, I could not care less about. But I think the deeper answer to that question might be along the lines of, I was wondering, after the COVID-1984 hard turn into the Ukraine blue and yellow flag (laughs) nonsense that we've just seen over the past couple of months, I was wondering what could possibly be the next hard turn into something completely different. Uh, uh. There it is. <laughs> now now it's like Ukraine, Shmukraine, whatever. That was so last month. Now, the most important issue of our So anyway, uh, I think that's kind of what's happening here. But none of this ultimately is, again, about the actual deep philosophical question about life and the right to life and when does, when does life begin and all of these. No, it's about the political wrangling and the Supreme Court and all of that. And um, people are being used as footballs in a political selection circus um, there in the United States. Unfortunately, as you say, no but no issue is more of a hot-button issue than this one in the U.S. political climate. So 
uh, yeah, I mean, if you were trying to gin up Civil War 2.0, you could not do a bit, hit a better button or, or pull a better lever than this one to start to activate that. Combine that with the coming inflationary nightmare, food supply breakdown, the sub general supply chain crisis. It's absolutely a perfect storm of stuff going into the 2020s. And uh, here we are. This is going to be quite a ride, isn't it? Um, I'm not looking forward to seeing it, but at any rate, it's going to be spectacular. James, I, I anymore in some ways, it maybe makes it easier to deal with. You've heard me even say it's like, it's kind of like a horror film. And if you treat it like a horror film, you can go, oh, wait, don't go upstairs. I know what happens after that. Um, to answer my own question again, what do all of our stories nah, have right. in common this week? What's your answer? I've got oh, mine. well, I was just going to say uh, Malthusian Death Cult. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it, I, I, I'll I, agree. It's like we play like a really crappy game show where every answer, <laughs> Malthusian Death Cult? Yes, <laughs> you win. <laughs> uh, maybe we can get Benny Wills to help us out on that. Uh, my answer to that question is what the, all the stories have in common is the state's monopoly over how we live, love, eat, and die. Every single choice. James, we watch classic old Seinfelds, and I'm surprised at times of some of the things that are even on those shows from the 90s. One of his little stand-up bits so in one of the episodes that's talking about suicide and what, we have to have assisted suicide? What happened to just sucking a tailpipe or grabbing a gun? I was like, damn. I, I don't know if they've edited those out of the uh, Cuties Flicks versions of uh, Seinfeld. <laughs> there it is. New World Next Week, episode 483. We have newworldnextweek.com. That's where we've got Corbett Report DVDs. We've got T-shirts. We've got my radio play. And, of course, I always want to remind folks I do an hour of news and I do an hour of music every weekday. And I've been at it as Media Monarchy since 2005. Rarely imitated, never duplicated. And, and again, as I briefly mentioned, actual BLM, the Bureau of Land Management, pretty much burning down New Mexico right now. That's right. The state started the prescribed fires that are now out of control it's actually got me again wanting to kind of put out the call again. I've done it once before here on the show recently. We'd still love any hot leads on any real estate ideas from like-minded folks because, of course, we'd love to avoid banks and loans and all those sorts of traps. Folks can hit me up as the dude who used to work for HSBC. Dude, dude do you have any properties? You can always hit me up on the contact form. It's at the bottom of every page on MediaMonarchy.com. James, how's Japan going? Uh, tickety-boo. Um, <laughs> I don't know how to answer that question. <laughs> All right. Well, then wrap us up. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, thank you for the stories. Looking forward to doing it again. Take care. <laughs> All right. Cheers, buddy. Take care. <laughs>